it is not a linear process. It is something where sometimes you take two steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes you take three steps forward and one step back. Sometimes you feel that you're circling in place for a moment. And what I actually would want people to really remember is that is normal. It is because a lot of time we say, oh, we're not moving as quick as we expect ourselves. And then we feel even worse. (laughs) And that's not the goal in here. That is the voice of Dr. Bridget Tan, author, certified grief and life success specialist. She joins me today to discuss Forward Fortitude and her best-selling book, Seeking Peace, The Proven Five Fingers Method to Thrive Through Change Effortlessly. You're listening to the podcast with John C. Lemon. Dr. Tan, welcome. Thank you very much, John. It's such an honor and a delight to be able to be here and share with you today. You address various aspects of grief in your book, Seeking Peace, the Proven Five Fingers Method to Thrive Through Change Effortlessly. Could you start us off with a working definition? What is grief? The Grief Recovery Institutes define grief as the conflicting feeling are the unsettling emotions that caused by a change in our daily routine. So truly, any change in our familiar routine that caused us have to have unsettling emotion can cause grief. Initially, most people, including myself, when I heard the term grief, I thought instantly it is the response to someone passing away. But you have defined it as unsettling emotions and conflict and those feelings with unsettling emotions. Chapter one of your book, you say grief is cumulative and cumulatively destructive. What do you mean by that? A grief that you experience, let's say, when you are a child and that is not resolved, and then you experience things similar again and again and again, each time it costs more impact in your well-being. For instance, let's say your grandmother passed away from a particular type of cancer, and that's impactful. And you move on. You say, well, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to just get busy. And at the same time, you did not resolve the grief. And then another family member passed away, perhaps from the same uh, condition, perhaps someone from a different conditions. And then you add to that. And then something else has happened that caused you grief. Each time it's caused more and more ways. The way we describe it is, you ever see a cat vomited hairball? <laughs> yes. A lot of people have seen that or the image of that. So what happened is the cat groom and it make a hairball it goes into the tummy and then the next time the cats groom and make another hairball and it repeated in there and eventually it reached to a tipping point where things just has to come out grief is a, a little bit like that it's it's all add on if we don't resolve it 
they keep adding up and then eventually it will cause us to explode. Now, the explosions um, with people and emotional explosions, usually not vomiting hairball. Usually right. we might burst in anger in a way that we say, why did I even react it that way? We might perhaps um, actually, instead of exploding out, it's actually turned in and cause us to start to become depressed or having anxiety and panic attack. We want to counteract cumulative grief or things accumulating because it is destructive. When we're going through a difficult moment in our lives, how do we get to that place of saying, okay, this is a dark moment, but this isn't necessarily the rest of my life? It's a very learnable skill. A lot of times it takes a lot of guidance like a lot of other things in life, it takes us to decide that we want to learn. But it is a learnable skill where we can say, okay, you know, this is really unpleasant right now. This is not something that I want to do. But the, the experience that happened, it can define us, let's say, a, a divorce right now, or I have been laid off right now. But is this going to define me? Am I going to be bitter forever after my divorce or after I have been laid off? Or I am going to do the best I could to learn from the experience and say, well, what can I do next such that the next 10, 20, or even one year of my life is going to be different than what just happened in the past year? When I first came across you, I was excited at the opportunity of meeting you and talking with you. When I last researched, we are now at 240,000 fatalities here in the United States. I do not see a lot of public address dealing with the grief of loved ones. They were family members. It someone's dad, someone's mom, someone's brother, sister, grandmother, uncle, so forth and so on. I want you to address grief and COVID-19. But before you do that, I want you to speak to why you believe we're not seeing this part of COVID-19 discussed publicly. There are a couple of reasons, in my opinion, why this is not addressed as publicly or as frequently as, say, policy changes and so forth. One of them is people like to be able to take actions. And emotions is a lot of time is not actionable, as actionable as say, do you wear masks or do you not wear masks? But the other part of that is actually people, grief and emotions, less on the superficial, but a lot more in depth. And also at the same time, a lot more uncomfortable for people to discuss. Just grief in general, not just with COVID-19 loss, which is definitely with COVID-19 loss, but a lot of time people are so uncomfortable with discussing about grief, about feeling. And sometimes it's even challenging for people to identify when they are feeling something or they are thinking something. Human nature, we avoid things that we're not comfortable about. And the discomfort comes from a lot of time lack of understanding, lack of skill, which is actually nobody's fault because most people, I live in California and in here there are a lot of public resources and kids growing up in school were taught on how to prepare for earthquake. <laughs> 
Right. And the frequency of earthquake in California, yes, earthquake happened, but it's not really that frequent. I've been here 20 years, thankfully, there's no big earthquake. When you go to school and when you go to college and even the community center, we don't have how to prepare for grief, how to prepare for loss, how to prepare for drastic changes in life. Well, those are things that happen pretty reliably in our life when we live our life in, in this world. Grief is like a chameleon. It often disguises itself as many emotional and physical symptoms. What did you mean by that? A lot of time people only think that when they are grieving is only if they feel sad. The fact is a lot of time, particularly depend on the cause of grief. If the cause of grief make you feel powerless, the grief does not express itself as sadness. It's often as anger. And it's also often manifest in the physical manifestations, anxiety, irritability in general, the uh, lack of understanding about grief. A lot of people feel it's always sadness. If I'm sad, then yes, I'm grieving. But if I'm just angry, uh, if I am uh, just having suddenly constant headache, then I'm just stressed. But we, when we revisit the definitions of grief, any change in our life that can cause enough impact to cause unsettling emotion is actually the cause of grief. And so is the stress that you are feeling that causing you day to day of unsettling emotion. So that's why grief a lot of times are not recognized because it doesn't, it's often not showing up as sadness, actually. You're not angry what you are, you're grieving or it is disguised. What keys, what can we do to help us to recognize, hey, I thought I was just angry, but this is actually grief. There are angers that truly just anger. So just to clarify our audience, I'm yes. not saying that all angers, you know, if you, you saw somebody being beaten up and you feel angry, that's you are truly angry. But what are certain things that we can do to, uh, to be able to recognize I'm actually grieving instead of angry? The answer is truly to have awareness. One of the reasons I do a lot of speaking, one of the reasons of writing the book is to really raise awareness. And when we have the awareness, then we are able to recognize once, like now, I, now since we discussed this, John, um, <laughs> next time you are having this lingering anger of something, you, you will most likely be able to say, maybe I'm not just angry, but maybe something is actually, there is something deeper beyond that, that is actually causing me to feel unsettled. And it shows up as anger instead of, I'm just angry and I'm going to go and destroy something. <laughs> so Grief is like a fingerprint. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. Why is it different from person to person? It's different from persons to persons because we are all truly different. Even identical twin has different, certain different molecules in them is one. And then the other thing is we all have different experience in life. You can say, okay, these two person has been, they're identical twin, they have been raised together, but one person might happen to notice something 
say the first person saw something and the second person did not see and that experience impact their mind in a lasting way when something happened they the person that saw something versus the person that didn't see something might have a different response to things that happen right now in front of them so we all different in our core not only that we all have different experience and even more we perceive things differently and when we are grieving when an impactful experience happen then naturally we will respond differently in whichever way that our nature is my background is in oncology and this is very common to, for me to see somebody come in to me the oncologist and some people who their natures is more reactive so to say they react in a certain way a lot of people come with anger i would it's very common for me to see a couple coming in one person's really really sad and the other person is really really angry <laughs> and so grief affected everybody differently based on how our nature is and how we approach things in life and you can even see over time this change if your way of approaching things different let's say from 10 years ago or 20 years ago you might even notice that you approach things and respond to grief differently as well as you change. We're constantly evolving, growing, changing, and our experiences definitely have the ability to mark us for sure. Guilt is a feeling that comes from an expectation that we have for ourselves. You say it's okay not to feel guilty. Talk about that. Guilt and how that works with grief. What's the relationship there? when we feel guilty we feel that we should have or could have done something differently a lot of time even we could have, we should have or could have been able to predict something that's going to happen how it causes grief the relationship between grief guilt and grief the grief causes unsettling feeling i should have been able to do this i could have been able to do this and the constant unsettling feeling is one of the common cause of grief by, by definition grief is the unsettling feeling that caused by a change and in this particular case the change happened and we continue to have the lingering unsettling feeling that might for some people last years actually but that's why the guilt often causes a lot of grief and is a component of grief as well here's a easy fix for that i'll just work a double shift instead of working 40 hours a week i'll work 70 hours a week I'll just work real hard, I'll make myself busy, I'll distract myself and I'll get over it, right? That's a lot of people perceptions, a lot of common belief. The Grief Recovery Institute call it one of the most common myth that if we just work ourselves, we just keep pushing and then we will feel better. Now, if you continue you will feel better the moment you're doing that whether you work real hard or you party real hard or you go and eat everything in front of you real hard the moment you're doing that you might feel better but just like with some um we have grief whether it's guilt or other things you can work yourself to exhaustions and if we don't resolve that it will come back to us unfortunately and a lot of times it is something that actually over time it just get worse and worse and since grief is like a chameleon we might not recognize it but it's morphed into something else first you say i'm grieving i'm uh, i'm going to push myself working or partying or something but then over time you said oh okay i'm not 
feeling it anymore. But if you truly still have grief and you still has not resolved that, it might start to morph into, I wonder why I'm ha- having nonstop back pain now. Or I wonder why I'm having migraine. Or I seems to not be able to get along with people anymore. Or I can't sleep. Unmet hopes are often an overlooked cause of grief. Are we talking about a midlife crisis? Or what are we talking about? It could definitely be a midlife crisis. It could also be, let's say, you enter a marriage and the marriage dissolves. A lot of people don't realize that when something dissolves, that you initially have great expectations, whether it is a marriage or perhaps it is a a job that you went into and you say, well, you know, I, I see that this job will allow me to do this, 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 and or the marriage will be... Last I know, everybody enter a marriage, they, they intend the marriage to last forever. Right. <laughs> and, and when it dissolves, then we're not only grieving the loss, we're actually also grieving things that we wish could happen, but it doesn't happen. Also cause unsettling feeling. And grief is the unsettling emotions or feelings that come from a change. And the cause in this case, perhaps the job doesn't work out the way it is. Uh, the marriage doesn't work out the way it is. And so when we have a, uh, in those scenarios, when we have a loss, it's not just we're grieving the loss or we, um, we're grieving that things not being achieved, but also we actually has a secondary feeling of we have hopes on something and it, it's not met. And that something can cause unsettling feeling. You might be, the other um, common things is people who say, I would love to be in a couple relationship, perhaps in a marriage or something. They go after one after another date and each time the relationship dissolves instead of and in a marriage, they feel worse and worse. And that's not only because they are losing that relationship, but each time their hopes is diminishing hope. And every time we're losing hope, it's a loss. It's a loss as well that causes unsettling, conflicting feelings. You also mentioned the five stages of grief. You say in your book that that was meant for someone who was terminally ill, but we try to make it a blanket approach to all grief. Why does that not work for all grief? Uh, it does not work for all grief. For instance, let's say you have somebody, somebody passed away in your uh, some, that's dear to you. There is not much of denial in there. It's somebody passed away. Uh, So that's just a a very quick example on why it doesn't work for all grief. And also we know by now it's meant for people who face terminal illness. But actually even people who face terminal illness, further study has shown that they don't always follow the order that Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross have. They might go from denial to bargaining to acceptance and then going in circle and then jump around. And eventually they got to acceptance. Some people unfortunately never get to the acceptance. That is the, a lot of reasons for that. But yeah, it uh, depends on the cause of the loss. Sometimes we don't go through any of the states or uh, one of the particular states. We are referencing to Dr. Kubler-Ross. Those five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You also talk about the importance of perception and developing a skill that you call forward fortitude. Perception and forward fortitude. We can perceive that what is happening in our life is the end of everything, or we can perceive that just like the weather, we have 
rains and we have storm. Rain, a lot of time, is to bring good. If we never have rain, well, a lot of us will be in deep trouble. <laughs> and so, and right. so that is perception. So different way to look at it, the Mandarin character for the word crisis is actually composed of two different characters. The first part of that two different characters mean danger. The second part of that word crisis is actually by itself mean opportunity. Crisis in Mandarin is danger and opportunity. And so how are we going to look at that? Now, we don't want to be in denial of the danger or the trauma. It's definitely not something we want to do. We want to be aware. Yes, we are aware there is trauma. Yes, we are aware um, there is a tragic event, whether it is COVID-19 or somebody passing or an illness or something else. We want to be aware of the danger, the trauma. But are we going to say, that's where I'm going to stop and let me be traumatized? Or to say, okay, well, I can perceive this as the end of everything, or I'm going to perceive this as a, a dark night, and then decide that we're going to have what we call forward fortitude, which is doing what we can to take the next step, honoring and acknowledging what we have been through. So we're not putting a blind eye, and we're not doing what a lot of people call spiritual bypass, or in actually a form of denial. And then we say, what can we do next? and just take the next little step that we can do such that we can turn that danger or trauma into an opportunity. There's something good even in what I'm going through. That is a part of the metamorphosis. If I could put those two thoughts together, if that's not proper, please correct me. But you also say that metamorphosis is a messy process. Could you paint a picture? What does that metamorphosis process look like? Metamorphosis, one good example is the caterpillar become a butterfly. If you truly look, so we're going to talk about the actual metamorphosis first. To open a cocoon where the caterpillar is becoming a butterfly, it's actually a lot of gel-like disgusting (laughs) material in there. You don't see inside of a cocoon a caterpillar. You also don't see inside of that cocoon, at least early on, a butterfly. It's because what happens is when the caterpillar become the butterfly, they release fluids and the fluid digests practically almost 90 plus percent of the caterpillar body. And it's all gel and liquid and everything that if you were to open up a cocoon, it turned into a big gooey, disgusting mess. And for the caterpillar that is going through the metamorphosis, everything seems like it has shut down. If the caterpillar were able to think, it will say... I have become liquefied into this gooey, messy liquid here. And life definitely seems like it has ended to the caterpillar. And when I say that in the book, it's actually for a reminder. A lot of time when people going through grief or any experience, and as we say, okay, we're going through this and we want to get better, they start reading books, any book or they start listening to informations and they say, oh yeah, you know, it says that step one is this, step two is this, step three is this. I'm supposed to follow this step by step by step and this supposed to last this long and so on and so forth as if it is a linear process. It is not a linear process. It is something where sometimes you take two steps forward, two steps back, 
Sometimes you take three steps forward and one step back. Sometimes you feel that you're circling in place for a moment. And what I actually would want people to really remember is that is normal. It is because a lot of time we say, oh, we're not moving as quick as we expect ourselves. And then we feel even worse. (laughs) And that's not the goal in here. It's a messy process. If you look in your life when things happening, you might see seemingly like so many things falling into different pieces and everything seems to be upside down. But just like with the caterpillar, if we take one little step at a time, instead of giving up just right there, then we might be able to put that piece, puzzle pieces back together, maybe in a beautiful way. The book is titled Seeking Peace, The Proven Five Fingers Method to Thrive Through Change Effortlessly, now available internationally through Amazon. Dr. Tan, thank you for dropping by for today's conversation. Thank you very much, John. It's an honor and a delight to be here. Dr. Brigitte Tan, author, certified grief and life success specialist. For additional information on grief recovery, visit www.fromgrievingtojoyfulliving.com. That's our podcast for today. I'm John C. Lemon. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.